0: Why do I love Hale Appleman so? Let me count the ways. How many ways are there? So many. Yeah, like. Stop it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> How many podcasts has it been since we mentioned Hale Appleman? The count is now at zero.
2: It was at one, <laughs> and now we're back at zero. It has
0: been zero podcasts since <laughs> we mentioned <Taylor> Hale <laughs> Appleman. <laughs>
2: Should that be your t-shirt?
0: <laughs> it has been with little, like, removable, yep. like, Velcro things <laughs> Right on the boobs. <laughs>
2: on the boobs.
0: Yep. Welcome back to the Ficklist list, everybody. <laughs> that's the intro. <laughs> that is
2: the intro. <laughs> How have you been, Erin?
0: You know, I've been good.
2: Yeah, that's great. Yep,
0: it's been... It's been a while
2: since we've been together here in this table.
0: Has it, though?
2: Well, no, it's been an hour. But... <laughs> yeah, it's been
0: approximately one hour since we finished our last recording. Correct. We've eaten, mm-hmm. which we means eaten. we are at peak kindness, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Yet to be determined. Correct. But um, we're here. We're queer.
2: We're full of existential fear.
0: Mm, it's been a while since I've had existential fear. A week. Approximately. <laughs> I did have that therapy meltdown.
2: I, I, re- I remember it like it was yesterday. Not bueno. <laughs> not bueno.
0: Yeah, I don't, do not recommend, but... The upside is, if you have the meltdown in your therapist's office... That's where you want to have it. Well, you don't have to recap it later. (laughs) You don't have to, like, try to, like, understand and, like, put yourself back in a place to, like, talk about it. You could just be crying. All Uh. right. Anyway, we have a whole thing to talk about that has nothing to do with therapy meltdowns. Correct.
2: Unless that's our tag this week.
0: It's not. Oh. Do you know what our tag is this week? What's our tag? Smut! Smut! (laughs) The opposite of therapy meltdowns. Well... Or is (laughs) it? Or is it, friends? You be the judge. It depends on what smut we go with. This is true. Because, you know, I thought you were going to send me the smuttiest of smut, and you did not. And I feel swindled <laughs> and bamboozled because I sent you smut. <laughs> you, you
2: were the smut queen. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I toned it down. Whoa! This was a, like one that I was like, well, this has a little more plot than I think is a true smut fic, but like, okay. <laughs> okay, well. And then I read yours, and I was like, Fuck you, Alan! <laughs> How dare you? All right, all right, all
2: right. Hang on, we're getting ahead of ourselves. What is our alternate universe tag Our in Alternate this
0: universe line? tag is mobster AU, Ooh. which I fucking love. I love a mobster mm, AU tag because yeah. it gets real angsty real fast. Give <laughs> and I'm here for it. You'll also, love some angst. I think mobster AUs get into a really interesting question of power dynamics, and that is something that is. Super interesting to play with. You are making a face like you agree with me, but um, this is an audio medium. This is so. unfortunate.
2: I as I was looking for my mobster pick, I was like, "Fuck!" This is like, "This good." I was like, "God, this is gonna show like how much of a possessive streak I actually have." That's
0: fine. God. You now know how much I enjoy smutty smut. So that's true.
2: The smutty smut.
0: Yeah. So if you read the possessy possessy, <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. The possessy possessy.
1: <laughs> I love it. New tags. Yeah,
0: so it's fine. Is yep. what I'm trying to say is that I there truly is not judgment in this space. It might not be my jam. Like it sure. might not be something that I go actually on my that way to.
2: Bad word you- that I don't like.
0: <laughs> Squick. <laughs> it's a great, useful term. It's squicky. It is. It's great. <laughs> great. So why
2: why don't I start first? Okay. Great. So the smut fic you sent me is called "The Ways We Fit Together," which honestly, as a smut fic, you're like. All right.
0: I know where this is going. And you're correct. (laughs) (laughs) It's not wrong.
2: Nope. It's written by Portrait of Emmy.
0: Who's one of my favorite writers. Oh, wonderful. Absolutely fantastic. Follow her on Twitter. She is so talented. Like, really, like, all of her stuff I think is great, which is why I sent you one of her books. I love that. It
2: is a... What fandom is this again? I have trouble remembering. I know.
0: It's a a new fandom. And by new, I mean not new at all. The (laughs) Magicians! God
2: damn it, Aaron! It
0: is the Magicians again! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I told you I was hyperfixating. Dear Lord. Hold on.
2: Did you Do you remember that glorious episode where you didn't do the magicians? Flick?
0: Yeah, the one.
2: The one. That's I gave
0: the... you one. That was all I committed to. <laughs> I'm obsessed, man.
2: Oh, boy. And I
0: think, honestly, until it's done, I'm going to continue to be obsessed.
2: I mean, yeah, that's fair. I'm just in it now. I get it.
0: I've been dragged into this hell.
2: <laughs> honestly, every time I read a I feel like I'm like, hey, hey, buddies, I'm back. <laughs> are,
0: you, are you okay? Yeah. And the answer is still no.
2: Yeah, I am eating popcorn in the background of their narrative yeah it's a lot so the ways we fit together it's an archive of our own the summary reads the thing is sex is a good way to pass the time sex is good in a pure base animal way it's a thing his body wants another body warm close wet tight around him elliot had missed sex in the year before quentin kissed him on the mosaic he's missed solid masculine bodies for longer than that it should be something simple a biological function but it's not It's not because Q spread out and open for him is the most beautiful thing Elliot's ever seen. Sex and Love in the Mosaic Timeline.
0: It's a whole, like, thread of one-shots. Yes. Which is kind of helpful to know. I
2: did see that, yeah. So I'm going to start by saying, in the author's notes, the author writes, It could loosely be considered a sequel to A Year in the Life, which I assume is the piece before this. Mm -hmm. But you absolutely do not need to read that first. I felt like I did.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Did you read it first? No. Or did you read
2: the other one? I was halfway through before I realized, Mm -hmm. oh... I believed her when Mm -hmm. she said I didn't need to read the first Mm -hmm. one. I was halfway through and I was like, I'm not going back. (laughs) It's too late.
0: Here's the problem. I think you don't have to read it first if you already know the magicians.
2: Yep. That's exactly what happened. I was like, what the fuck is this mosaic they're working on? What I I was like... Despite
0: the fact that I've told you the story 12 times now. (laughs) You haven't told me about the mosaic! Oh my god, yes I did. Yeah, I did. That's the whole alternate timeline quest where they fell in love and grew old.
2: I thought that was like a moment. No. That's like a whole arc. They
0: lived a whole life in an episode. It was like a bubble episode, but they went on that alternate timeline thing, and it was like, literally, they grew old together. It was like a 50-year thing that happened in a day. The episode is called A Life in a Day. I don't like this. Tough shit. (laughs) (laughs) Give it compliments right now.
2: God damn it. Well- (laughs) I didn't know that. I know. Why is that so confusing? I was it is like a where are they? Where's brake Bill? Why
0: is this so agrarian? Where is
2: Margot? <laughs> <laughs> Where's <is> Todd? <laughs> Julia, my friend. I know.
0: It's just them.
2: I was very confuzzled for a long time. Eventually I, I it was like I felt like I was holding the reins to something, right? right? Like a horse. And then eventually I realized that it was too wild and I had to let go. And just like ride the horse however I could. Which oh. is the, that is a bad metaphor because you don't ever let like, go of these reins. You don't let like, go of the horse if you don't want right. to fall off. But I, like, I had to at some point just be like, I don't understand it and that's gonna have to be fine.
0: You're just along for the ride. Exactly. Which is fine.
2: Yeah. It was very well written, it was wonderful, it was very hot. Uh-huh. And the whole time I was like, ooh, it is hot in here. So good. This one played so well to the, like, possessiveness. Uh-huh. Like, my possessive nature. I, I like, know
0: you well. I was
2: like, oh, I'm getting at you. Will.
0: I'm getting oh, at what you boy,
2: are. boy. I, I love this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was even a little, like, a little bondage toward the end. I was uh-huh. like, and you know what the funny thing is, Aaron? As I was reading this, I was like, I know this is not as hard as she goes. Nope. And then you give a little bondage, at the end. I was like,
0: all right. I see her being like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so... One thing to know is that there is a sequel to this, like a direct sequel to this, mm-hmm. where they push the bondage even further. Amazing. It's really fucking hot. So I was like, I'm going to send you this and then hopefully you'll just read the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so let's actually discuss this, fic.
2: So it's in the Mosaic timeline and kind of starts off, uh, they, they take turns every day to like try to find a pattern. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of flirting and or the overarching thing for Elliot in this fic is that he is afraid of how much he likes or loves Quentin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh I love when that happens. Mm-hmm. Like whenever like anything that Quentin does and he's like, oh fuck, I'm fucked. When yep. fics do that, I'm like
0: Yeah perfect. When he's like, oh no.
2: Yeah, so the, the fic starts uh, it's Quentin's turn at the mosaic and Elliot's watching him and then Elliot proposes a game of truth or dare. Yeah. And at some point Elliot says Dare And Quentin tells him all right, I dare you to fuck me. And Elite's like, Okay. (laughs) Sure, hundred percent. Yeah. And Quentin's like, Whoa, 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 wait, hang on. I was kidding. And it's like, Well, too late. So they bang up against the mosaic. Yep. And apparently they hadn't done it that, that way before. It was, yeah. they'd but they had always been like. They have
0: had sex. This is not yes. their first time.
2: Correct. So that was, I was like, oh, great. Interesting. The smut's out of the way, but there's more story to go. Well,
0: I also like that in this Truth and Dare game, Quentin does that. It's sort of as a throwaway line. And Ellie's like, all right, and pulls him over to him by the hips. And he's yep. like, no, 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 no. I have to like do the mosaic. Get off. Stop. Yep. And he was like, you should know better than to play gay chicken with me, Uh, which is my favorite line in fanfic, maybe of all time. And then that's maybe an exaggeration. It's just a really good line. And so he's like, okay, fine. And then the next time Quentin is like, picks truth. And Elliot's like, oh, you think you're going to get out of it? And he's like, so what was your first time like?
2: (gasps) That's right. And he
0: was like, God, Jesus Christ, Elliot. (laughs) And so they answer. And Quentin's like, first time with a guy or with a girl. And Elliot's like, I assumed I was there for your first time with a guy, in reference to the drunken threesome that they had had, which I told you about, in season one. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this story? Nope,
2: but I'm Great. happy not knowing. They
0: had previously had a drunken threesome, Um God damn it, stop it, um, And then Elliot's like, I like genuinely assumed I was there for your first time with a guy, and Quentin's like, nah. like, so. I just had like really shitty experiences in both regards, and Elliot's like, it should have been better for you. And that's kind of a moment where he was like, I'm going to take care of him yeah. in a way that is like profoundly just not about easy sex. It's like Quentin deserves better. Aaron,
2: this is not a smut pick.
0: It is a porn with feelings.
1: <laughs> <pick>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they do smutty smut
1: mm-hmm. all the time.
0: This is why I was like, I thought I was pushing it in terms of being a little more feelingsy than true smut. Cause this is not true smut. We're anymore. not talking about
2: me right now. <laughs>
0: all right, fine. Whatever.
2: Then it just kind of goes into uh, some more snippets of them living together and more sex. Next time, it's, like, it's raining out, and Elliot's out working on the mosaic, and Quentin's like, come inside. It's raining. And they, like, It is.
0: A big thunderstorm <laughs> is rolling through. <laughs> yep. Get the fuck inside. The, the
2: big boom is happening. Yeah. Come inside, please.
0: And Elliot, like, runs. Yep. <laughs> He's like, all right!
2: Yeah, and Quentin's, like, baking bread, and not as well as Elliot, obviously, mm-hmm. and then they're, like, cuddling on the couch, and then... They have sex that is, not, like, not penetrative. It was wonderful. And, like, mm-hmm. oh that it was so hot. I loved it. Uh, like, this fic does intimacy very well, mm-hmm. which is, like, so important to a smut fic. Well, maybe not mm-hmm. to a smut fic, but when you're having a, a porn with feelings fic, mm-hmm. which is what we're referring to <laughs> That's this. That's
0: really where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: done very well
0: there's a clear sort of like step-by-step growth in their intimate relationship Mm. that is very interesting to watch interesting where like quentin has had some like not great experiences isn't nearly as experienced as elliot elliot takes on a sort of like almost like soft dom role with him Mm. where like quentin is very yielding in a lot of ways and elliot takes that very seriously and he's like we're not going super hard in this dynamic but like I do feel the need to, like, take care of him in this way that I know how to do. Yeah. And that sort of grows throughout each encounter that you see, where it starts very sort of, like, not, like, run-of-the-mill, but very straightforward until it Mm. becomes, like, more and more sort of about that dynamic.
1: Gotcha. Which
0: I thought was really well done.
2: I think because I didn't have the context and I eventually had to let go of those rings, to me, a lot of that kind of flew over my head. Oh. Like, I was just along for the ride. It. And it was fun.
0: See, that was like my favorite part of this.
2: Yeah, well, I am not hyper fixated, so
0: that's fair. It's also very healing, guys. I, I <laughs> can it. tell. It's very, healing. it's very
2: interesting that every Magician's fix you send me, the authors are always like, "Fuck the finale. This is about they having their happy ending." And I was like, Jesus! Everyone's giving them a happy ending, which yeah, I love.
0: We're all like, "He's not dead. He's getting dicked out on the regular by Elliot,"
2: Honestly, which is way better. Heaven.
0: Yeah, just do it. Just. Just go for it. We've also kind of collectively decided that this is the dynamic between the two of them. Oh, 100%. Where Elliot is a little bit more Dom and Q is very, like, sub.
2: Yep, and we love it. There are
0: a couple of fics where that's reversed in an interesting way, but I think collectively that's sort of what we've decided on.
2: (laughs) The fandom has chosen. The fanon,
0: you know, path forward is that.
2: Yeah. Then there's an interesting part where Quentin is making jam. Well, they're making jam together.
0: (laughs) I love the jam scene. Sorry. (laughs) Continue.
2: And... uh, Elliot's thinking about, like, apparently Quentin has just come out of, like, a really bad, like, depressive spell, Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, unfortunate, but it's really interesting to see Elliot's, like, protective nature Mm -hmm. come out, and him wanting to help, but not being able to, because how do you help someone, like, how do you protect someone from their own brain chemistry?
0: Right, in a world where there are not medications.
2: Exactly. Yeah, so, they're making jam, and so, if you make jam, you know, you have to let it, like, simmer for a long time
1: Mm -hmm.
2: um and they're making out their favorite Mm -hmm. pastime i mean what else can you do when you have no internet no anything else yeah and so Elliot just like a thought strikes him and he's just like hey do you want to top sometime and quentin's like uh sometime sure why not yeah and so i think it's the next day or something like that two Two days days later later. yep uh
1: (laughs) two days later um
2: Quentin just kind of starts, like, making out with Elliot, and Elliot pretty immediately is like, something's off. Yeah. Something is, is like, hard. what? what's happening? There's a weird energy around. Your chakras are not aligned.
0: <laughs> Your aura is off. <laughs> yeah. I have
2: questions. It's a little muddy. Well, do yeah. you want to talk? what's going on? Uh, so, but in all
0: seriousness, what's happening?
2: Yeah, yeah, like, Elliot like, is confused, and Quentin's, like, you know... Its obvious that Quentin is like having performance anxiety. He doesn't yeah. know what to do. So Elliot's like, "Hey, are you are you okay with what's happening?" And Quentin's like, uh, yeah, well, I, I figured I could, you know, could could try fucking you now.
0: And Elliot's like, oh. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: And he immediately realizes that that is the worst possible reaction he could have had. Yeah, <laughs> Because Quentin just, like, shudders. Shuts down. Absolutely close. And Elliot's like, no, 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 no. Like, oh, great. Like, okay, cool. Like, let's do this. And, like, kind of lets Quentin lead for a hot minute. Yeah,
2: and Quentin is then having trouble doing, like, the spell yeah. that they have for magic for sex.
0: Yeah. So funny. He's like, Elliot's just like, all right, stop. Like, yeah. Like, you have to talk to me. Yeah, you're not acting like yourself. This is not good. And quentin immediately was like he really like storms off because he elliott does say that he says you know you're not acting like yourself and his immediate reaction is like who am i acting like because this is the most like myself i've ever felt with you which is kind of brutal (laughs) like for quentin specifically like that is a look into his insecurity same. In a way that is, like, really vulnerable. And, like, him lashing out. And he was, like,
1: Retreat. you know,
0: meaning a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. And Elliot's like, oh, no. Because Quentin, oh, like, dear. storms off. Takes off out of the cabin. And Elliot's like, uh... <laughs> uh <What>? Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> uh-oh. But he can
0: hear him, like, futzing around outside on the mosaics. He knows he hasn't lost him completely, but he doesn't really know how to fix it, so he cycles through a lot of, like, uh, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. this That was my favorite vignette in this whole... This one, yeah. Yeah, because I think... Not to, like, jump down your retelling of it. No, please. But it makes me really happy that, like... So Quentin eventually does come back to him. Yeah. And Elliot has made a frittata. (laughs) Yeah. a peace-offering for Because he was like, I didn't know what else to do, so I made a frittata. I mean,
2: that is the best <laughs> sentence that's ever been said. So it comes back, and Elliot's made a frittata. <laughs>
0: He's like, I guess I just made food. And Elliot's like, okay, you know, we're out of eggs now, though, so yeah. like that's maybe not great. And they talk, and Quentin's like, you know, they eat, and they just kind of, like, hold each other, and they, like, come down from this feeling. And... When Elliot goes to bed, Quentin is on his side of the bed, which is code for, like, we're talking about this. (laughs) Pay attention to me. Elliot's, like, immediate response is, like, I guess we're not talking about it, and that's fine because he doesn't do feelings. Yeah. But Quentin is, like, nah, we're talking about this. And Quentin's, like, I freaked out. And Elliot's, like, yeah, I got that. Do you know why? And Quentin is, like, I got really caught in my head because I was so worried about making it good for you. And, like, Mm. if I'm the one, like, fucking you, then I'm in charge, right? (laughs) And Elliot says a fantastic line. (laughs) <laughs> Which is baby, I don't care what our dicks are doing. If you think that whatever we do together isn't gonna be me fucking you stupid, then you're not paying attention. <laughs> and I was like, Elliot
1: <laughs> He
2: went there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you beautiful, beautiful man.
2: True. And
0: then he basically walks Quentin through topping him and it's super romantic. And it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah it, like, goes really well. Like yeah. it was just it was nice to see a smutfic that talked about The awkwardness like, sometimes. Well, yeah, when it like doesn't go well. Like yeah. when it's not easy. And you have to fight for it in some ways. And I also
2: really appreciate the power dynamics of, mm-hmm. like, Elliot saying, well, yeah, I'm gonna bottom, but I'm still in charge.
0: Yeah, and that works for us. Yeah. And that comes from a place of, like, trust. Because Elliot has to trust him, too, in, like, reciprocity in a exactly. real way. So I thought that was a really wonderful... I did like that. ...real life sort of
2: This is always, like, a, a landmark when you're reading, like, long fix mm-hmm. Where, like, and they've been having sex and it's always been the same dynamic. And then mm-hmm. eventually they're, like do you want to try switching? And then you're like, <gasps> they're yeah. in love.
0: <laughs> happened.
2: Exactly. Like, it's oh, monumental. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a, that is a really good one. You're right. I love the frittata.
0: The frittata that lived in for me. <laughs> <laughs> it saved their marriage. Honestly. God. Uh,
2: and then the last vignette is, uh, is the BDSM one where. Yeah.
0: It's like super light bondage. Yeah. Super late. It's an
2: all right, intro to BDSM.
0: Quentin's first <laughs> time being tied down.
2: <laughs> Baby's first bondage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. It is. It's Quentin's honestly. first time being tied down.
2: Yeah. And he loves yeah. it. And honestly, cool. we love it. We
0: love it. It's so good. Well, I love that Elliot had to go buy rope for a perfectly normal <laughs> exactly. reason, which was to make a clothesline. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and like per- like is browsing the selection of options and yep. he finds a really soft version of rope and he's like, cool. Can I have that one? (laughs) And the person's like, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. So he comes home with it. And he's like, hey, Quentin, (laughs) I have rope for the clothesline. And then Quentin's like, great. And he's like, I also have other ideas. And Quentin's like, like, what? And he just, like, loops the, like, rope around his wrist. And he's like, that's my idea. And Quentin is like, fuck yeah,
2: I am down.
0: I'm here for it.
2: And he was. <laughs> and
0: he was so down. And they talked about it first, which I thought was like, yes. really great. And showing the sort of like, you know, Quentin was like, I've never done this before. And Ellie, it's like, well, I have done this before. I have found it super overwhelming in the past. Mm-hmm. So it's not something I do very often. But I would like to with you because I trust you. Right. And so they're sitting at the table, and he's like practicing knots on Quentin. And Quentin first is like, "Oh, this is fun!" <laughs> yeah. And then slowly he's like falling into what I would call like subspace, Yeah. where he's very like into it, and he's like, "Huh, oh, this is cool." And Elliot's like, "I knew it. We were I right. fucking <laughs> knew it." <laughs> he's like, "I knew it. this is now where this would, was going." And the
2: collective magicians fandom were like, "I <laughs> fucking knew it." Yeah,
0: and everyone's like, "We knew this was what Quentin wanted <laughs> in this whole time." He actually makes him, like, cool off a little bit first and is like, we're going to go eat dinner and, like, sit. But Quentin keeps, like, side-eyeing the rope, like, yeah. now? Now? we you play now? now? And Elliot's like, all right, go to bed. And he, like, bolts. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, great! And he goes. And they just have really sweet bondage sex.
2: It's lovely. It's
0: deeply sweet. I love it. So, yeah. So. This is good.
2: To me, this is essentially like a lot of vignettes of yes. them having sex and like in this timeline, of which I have no context, so it's hard for me to give right. you a summary. It's very well written. The emotions are lovely. They're mm-hmm. very well fleshed out characters. It's incredibly hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I w- I'll give it a 3.5, mm-hmm. and I think that's just based on my experience with it, not yeah. because of like the way it's written. It's written very well. It's very beautiful.
0: Yeah. I know we don't both rate them, but for me this is a solid 4.5. We <laughs> so please we do not
1: rate them.
0: If you are a magician's fan, if you know the context of Quentin and Elliot, and if you're looking for really nice Quentin Elliot's, mutt, check out Portrait of Emmy's work, particularly this thread, although there are multiple fics that she's written that are really, really great in terms of like having this dynamic, which are made better if you actually know the show.
2: Alright.
0: Alright. Let's y'all. talk
2: about the one I sent you.
0: Alan sent me <laughs> it fanfiction. From It Chapter 2. Is It Chapter 2 specific? It, no,
2: it's it's specific to the new movies. Uh, it doesn't really matter. There's no timeline. It's alternate universe, so it doesn't... It's
0: AU. I chose to think of it as Chapter 2 because it's about adult versions of the kids.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, in Chapter 2, they're like 45, where I think I here they're like 20s. Got it. So it's okay. in the middle. Chapter 1.5, if you will. It was
0: important to me that it wasn't the children. <laughs> no, it was not. Because, again, smut tag. I didn't want it to get weird.
1: Oh, yeah. So
0: true. when I saw in our little Google Doc that Alan had sent me It fixed. I commented back, and I quote, prepare to get fucking murdered for sending me it fanfiction. (laughs) And,
2: alright, so this was at night, right before I went to bed, I saw the email notification (laughs) for a comment, and I was so upset. I was like, how dare she, like, judge my pick before even reading it? I was like, how the amount of Magician's fanfictions I have read for her, how dare she? I was ready to, like, throw down, and then I I woke up this morning to an addendum.
0: (laughs) And I put in an addendum, which was, I incorrectly assumed that this was going to be (laughs) Pennywise's (laughs) pick. So, you are on temporary retrieve from being, <laughs> reprieve from being murdered. So, I am issuing a formal apology <laughs> yeah, to Alan you. Gonzalez Business for assuming that you had sent me Pettywise smut. Fake. I
2: appreciate <laughs> and accept your apology. Because I, I was
0: going to be really fucking angry if it Did was you forget one of Pennywise. the core
2: values of our podcast?
0: I know, which is to not send crack when we don't, or like, weird, yeah, weird like, stuff. Yeah, like, mm So... Good news, friends. It's not, it's not Pennywise.
2: <laughs> it is not Pennywise.
0: Pennywise is not even in this. Nope. Which is ideal. Yep, yep. It's really about Eddie Casbrack mm-hmm. and Richie Tozier. Yep. Yeah. The title of this fic is called Heart Made of Glass, parentheses, My Mind of Stone, and parentheses. The, the author's name is Reddy, R-E-D-D-I-E, for love. I'm assuming this person really likes Eddie.
2: Well, it's... And Richie. Yep, that's the ship
0: name! From it. <laughs> Full disclosure, I don't really know it as a story. I know the rough outline, and that's enough. I do not like horror movies. I don't watch them. For someone who co-hosts a Spooky (laughs) Things podcast, I am remarkably baby about (laughs) all things blood and gore. So I'm coming at this with a very basic outline of understanding Mm -hmm. for this thing. The summary for this fic says... To Eddie Casbrack, hopelessness is nothing new. It's his constant companion. Then he re- meets Richie Tozier, and all at once, everything changes. Which is, like, a very run Yeah, it's like
2: you, like... It's fine. Yeah, run of the mill.
0: I felt personally victimized by this fic. <laughs> did you? I did. Because I was like, oh, Alan has finally pinned the tail on the donkey. <laughs> in terms of, like, my fic. <laughs> and I'm a real bitter about it. You know how sometimes you open a fic and you're like, I'm ready to hate this? <laughs> yep. And then you read it and you're like, fuck, it's good? Yes! this is really fucking good yes yes and I was riff shit about it I was so angry I was reading it and I was like god fucking damn it I really like this fic it has everything that I like in a fic it's angsty but it's not too much Perfect. it's well written and it's smart and it's a good premise and they have to address things in a mature manner <laughs> i was so mad. i was so mad. Does
2: someone remember from last episode when we were talking about Aaron being a sore loser,
0: <laughs> a really sore loser? And I was like, "How dare you send me something so good in a fandom that I have no interest in?" <laughs> um, the story starts off with Eddie. Eddie gets fired from the strip club that he works at. Yet another sort of like sex worker situation. I don't, Alan? I don't
2: know what to tell you. Maybe I was <laughs> like considering you a change were, of profession.
0: Yeah, you were in a place emotionally. Uh, we were to talk picking about these. <laughs> well, also I think that happens a lot in sort of darker. Yeah. Um. When you start getting into AUs and tags where you are playing with power dynamics, that is a very go-to exactly. way of doing that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly surprised. And I've certainly read my share of like prostitute AUs, stripper mm-hmm. AUs, stuff like that. So it was fine. Sure. Unfortunately, Eddie has been fired from being a stripper. (laughs) Which is not ideal. Bad news bears. Yeah, because he has a lot of bills and rent that is due and it's not great. And also he gets fired because he got into a scuffle with a customer. Mm -hmm. It's unclear what exactly happened. They don't really talk about it, but that's why. And it basically blackballs him from every club in the area. So he goes to try to get more jobs. Like, the next day he goes out and talks to people and is like, hey, can I come join your strip club? And they're all like, well, why did you get fired from the last one? He's like, because I punched a customer. And they're like, get out. So he's in a really desperate place he talks about how you know his parents died when he was young his dad first and then his mom later when he was like a teenager and then he spent the latter sort of half of his childhood in foster care barely graduated high school or didn't even graduate high school Mm -hmm. has been like a prostitute in the past has decided he doesn't want to do that again so the stripping is like fine for him but Mm -hmm. it's like obviously he's living a life that he does not Like. Right. But he doesn't really see a way out and he's really just kind of defeated and burnt out. And then the empty apartment next to his is rented by this guy named Richie Tozier. Eddie and Richie like meet. And they meet because Eddie is literally on the run from his landlord who is, like, demanding his rent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Eddie gets out of the elevator and Mr. Perkins, his landlord, is like, hey, you, you owe me rent. And yep. Eddie just, like, runs. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, if I run, it'll be fine. And he just, like, takes <laughs> off and he's like, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. But, like, I can't. I don't have this rent. Like, I can't get evicted right now. Like, I can't be homeless and without a job. Like, yep. No. So he ends up sort of ducking into the laundry room and Richie's there and he like kind of hides him behind the door or whatever. And Mr. Perkins is like, did you see a neighbor run by here a minute ago? And Richie's like, nope, didn't see anybody. Weird. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And Mr. Perkins is like, mm, I don't believe you, but I can't prove that you're lying to me. Right. And so Eddie looks up and is like literally like huddling in a corner in the laundry room. And that's how Richie and Eddie meet. And you just like Eddie looks really dejected and just, like, absolute kicked puppy. Mm -hmm. And Richie's like, so what was that about? (laughs) And he's like, well, I haven't paid my rent yet. And Eddie gets really defensive, too. He's like, but I'm going to pay him. He kind of starts pushing him away. And Richie's like, I'm not judging you, dude. It's fine. It is what it is. Like whatever and eddie's like really insistent like no like i'm gonna pay him i would pay him but i got fired and like that's just is what it is and richie finds this like oddly attractive yeah and is like "Ooh, you're spitfire (laughs) and he's like deeply suspicious of this given his background Mm -hmm. where he's like uh what do you mean and richie like right away asks him if he wants to like go get dinner or like go out and he's very forward about it and eddie is like No. And like removes himself from that situation Mm -hmm. really fast because he like really just has no idea what it's like to be like hit on in that way. Like all of his relationships have been transactional.
1: Yeah.
0: So he was like, uh, and like bolts and (laughs) takes off. And Richie's like, all right, buddy. Yep. Not particularly thrown by this. (laughs) Or (laughs) deterred. Or deterred. So he, you know, he sort of is super friendly with him right away. Uh huh. And they part, and it's, like, kind of awkward because Eddie was, like, turned him down. But, like, Richie's kind of, like, thrown for a second, but then, like, all right, cool, fine, whatever. And they, Mm -hmm. like, part ways, and he, like, moves back and goes, they go back to their respective apartments. And then the next day, Eddie's landlord shows up and walks up to him and is, like, get over here. And Eddie's, like, like, very ready for that to be the moment where he gets evicted. And his landlord is, like, you may have gotten away with it this time, but, one, it needs to be in check, like, a check. I don't take cash because Lord knows where you got cash from. Mm -hmm. And also pay it by the date it's due Or, like, I'm not going to give you any time next time. And Mm -hmm. don't tack it to my door. Like, actually hand it to me like a man.
1: Yeah.
0: And Eddie has no idea what he's talking about because he has not paid his fucking rent. (laughs) he's like, what? So he, like, thinks about it for a second. And he kind of just takes it for what it is. And he's like, okay. Like, temporary reprieve. Not going to fuck this up for myself in this moment. But, like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. And then he looks over at Richie's door. And he's like, there's only one other person who knew how much rent I owed.
1: Yeah.
0: It's this guy. Oh. And he is consumed with anger. Because to him, it's a moment of Richie basically putting him in debt for something. And in Eddie's experience, the way that you pay that debt is through some sort of sexual favor. Right. And he was like, oh, she doesn't have actually interest in me. Mm -hmm. He was paying in advance. So he goes and, like, shoves Richie and, like, has a, like, fight with him where he's like, well, where do you fucking want me then since you've already bought me? And he's really mad about the overstep. And fair i think that like i think that's a perfectly feel like i would feel very weird if someone did that for me yeah so they have this whole like fight and eddie is super super angry yeah and richie realizes how much he overstepped Mm -hmm. and apologizes but doesn't like take it back or anything and they like this isn't the birds it's it (laughs) different horror movie (laughs) So the, um, it's still loud. It's fine. It's going to have to be fine. Yeah. So Richie sort of back steps a little bit and it realizes what it was for Eddie. And he's like, has no one ever done anything nice for you in your life? And Eddie is like, nothing is free. And it won't be the first time I've worked off a debt. And Richie's is just heartbroken by that yeah. in a way that he did not intend to cause harm like that. But he also recognizes that the impact of what he has done is actually quite significant. Mm-hmm. And Eddie like runs out before they have any resolution to it so they're left on these like blowout fight but he comes back to it like a couple days later or whatever and they're kind of forced to because Eddie went out for groceries and got a bunch of like really cheap food from the dollar store and then came back and Richie was like hey and he's like I realize why you're upset I was in the wrong to do that to you I didn't think about how it would make you feel honestly you have every right to be mad about it and it wasn't my place and I'm sorry which is really like responsible and mature and I think a really good Thing for this fanfiction to go with. I think if, if Eddie had just like fallen into it right away, I think it would have felt really inauthentic. Mm-hmm. So having that moment where Richie had to recognize his own sort of hubris in that moment <laughs> and be like, oh, you can't just go around dropping $1,200 on people even if it means nothing to you. Right. Because it means something to somebody else. They sort of talk through it and Eddie's like, I really don't understand why you would put this up out of the goodness of your heart. Like, and I don't like being in debt. Like, I don't like owing people things because Mm. I've been in positions where people have taken advantage of that. And Richie's like, I have an idea. I just bought this record store and none of my friends are being helpful. (laughs) So why don't you like give me a couple of days of your time in terms of helping me set up this record store and then we'll call it even. And he's like... That is maybe the best version of paying off this debt that I could reasonably hope for. Yep. (laughs) Given the situation, so okay. So they set a time and they're like, all right, tomorrow, nine o'clock. So they go to the record store and Richie's super nice about it. So he's like, I got you hot chocolate because I don't know what kind of coffee you like. And also, like, I'm super nice to you. And also, I'm a little flirty all yes, the time. He is. Super flirty. Love it. And Eddie starts to open up and you realize how sarcastic he can be, <laughs> which is delightful mm-hmm. because he is somebody who's been beaten down so much that like he doesn't feel comfortable doing that until he's reached a point of like comfort with somebody. Yeah. But he very much is like a little sass brass to Richie. Yeah, and it's like is. starts to till- and Richie's delighted by this turn of. <laughs> events and he's like yes he can give as good as I can get and it's fantastic so they kind of like work together and you start to like learn a little bit about Richie in the record store as they're clo- closing up and mm-hmm. it kind of becomes clear that Richie's never actually had a job like he's <laughs> not he's like a bougie little like yeah, trust fund baby yeah. like he got this thing because he has a lot of money and he, he doesn't really know what to do with it so he like he keeps going and like looking at records and setting up the music and yep. like DJing and he's like so do you have a broom? <laughs> like we need to dust
2: we need to clean we have
0: to clean this first before you do anything with it and richie's like oh yeah cleaning that's a good idea and Rich- Eddie's like jesus christ but
2: He also like just bought records wholesale like and they're all just yeah. mixed together in a box and that he's like, like not alphabetizing and organizing by genre
0: yeah so it's like a whole thing where you realize that eddie knows how to like actually do work yeah and richie clearly comes from privilege and yeah. that dichotomy is sort of interesting richie's friends show up midday and yeah. they're like wow, you guys look cozy. Like, this is (laughs) great. Like, we're Richie's friends. Hello. Super cool. And they're like, wow, this looks really great. And, like, it's a whole thing. And, like, that looks cool. And do you all want to get pizza and we can keep working on this thing? And Eddie's like, no, absolutely not. One, because he doesn't want to be in anyone else's debt, even for something as small as pizza. Right. And two, because he's deeply uncomfortable with all these new people. Like, he's a really solitary person. And he's like, I don't know you or your friend. Like... I don't want to get in the way of your time with your friends with my bullshit. So he just kind of, like, leaves, like, really abruptly, and they're, Again, like... runs. Yeah, and they're, like, they're, it's not said outright, but it, you get the sense that, like, they kind of talked about it, and, like, Richie runs back out after him. Yeah. And is, like, no, it's it's truly fine if you want to come stay and, like, eat and hang out with us. Like, we're not kicking you out and eddie's like am i just like your charity case and he really doesn't want to be one richie doesn't realize that that's necessarily how that was coming across and basically they have another kind of fight where eddie is like throwing down like i really don't want you to treat me like some broken thing that you can manipulate and fix even in this way that you're doing it and richie was like i didn't mean it that way like i just want to get to know you better like i truly am just interested in you as a person can you not believe that Eddie's like, no one does that! Like, it's not a thing! Wow. And they just are like, meh. Nah. So, like, Eddie runs off and it's a whole disaster of a conversation. It just goes bad. It does. So, Eddie sort of desperately continues to search for stripper jobs. <laughs> and he doesn't want to. Right. But he goes, and he can't get hired by any clubs but one of the club owners is like, well talk to my friend who runs private parties. Mm-hmm. They don't care what you're like as long as you can dance and keep your mouth shut. Right. So he ends up doing that and Eddie's like, uh, He feels really gross about it. He It turns out okay like nothing yeah. too bad happens. He manages to sort of dodge the worst of it. Mm-hmm. But he just feels really grimy in a way that he hasn't in a while and like isn't super okay and he bumps into richie in the building and he ends up kind of like unloading his whole life story on him because he was it's like the straw that broke the back and it just like all vomits out and so he just like throws the whole story out there with the like foster care and like i was fired three days before you met me and that's why i looked and like but i've always been hopeless even before my mom died i've been on my own you wanted to know And this is me. Yeah. And Richie's like, but that's not who you are. That's what's happened to you. Like, I think you are actually delightful. And I like you as a person. And Eddie's like, you don't have to, like, pretend to like me. And that's when Richie sort of reciprocates and is like, I'm a trust fund brat from L.A. And I have never worked a goddamn day in my life. And, like, I promised back when I first got access to my trust fund that I wasn't just going to squander it. I was going to use it to help people. And Eddie's like, that's the moment. That's sort of, he's like, I want more for myself and I want better for myself Mm -hmm. and I want to have hope for once. And Richie's like, let me help you. (laughs) Not out of some weird charity situation. Just let me help you because like, I want to get to know you and I think you're a good person and you deserve somebody to help you. Like I've had plenty of people help me. Let me help you. Mm -hmm. So he ends up taking him out for lunch to a diner owned by his other friend.
2: It's a diner. It's a diner. It's a diner. diner Surprise.
0: Surprise, Diner fic. And it's run by... Mike. Mike. So they go to this diner for lunch and Eddie's like a little taken aback by like how nice it is and whatever. And they're just sitting there and they're talking. He's like, what's your favorite kind of milkshake? And it's like very much like a date. Yeah, it is. It's kind of framed as a date. It's not really, but it's like framed that way. And so he like meets Mike... And they talk and Mike really likes Eddie just as a person. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, you're funny and like, if you can put up with this asshole, like (laughs) you can do anything and they eat their lunch and he's super polite and makes a really good impression on Mike and then Eddie's like, Well, why did you take me here? And Richie points at the door and there's a help wanted sign. Yeah, there is. So he basically sets him up with a job. Yeah. He goes he pulls Mike over and he's like, Do you want to work here? And and he goes like I don't have any experience I don't know what this is and Mike is like I've seen all I need to see let's do a two week trial period see if it works out and mm-hmm. if it doesn't no harm no foul but I think you'd be great if Richie trusts you I trust you mm. which is like super kind and generous I also loved I was very worried that the way that this author was going to do this is that he was going to get a job at the record store
2: me too yeah I and that's I was, what was gonna happen.
0: so glad that mm-hmm. that didn't happen yeah because I think if that had happened and if they hadn't addressed it I think it would have been a really unhealthy dynamic right because Eddie is so concerned about not owing Richie Richie. and I think if you work with someone if they were then to like have relationship it would have soured the whole thing right because then it would have been a whole like owing question again that's a good point so I loved that Richie either recognized that or just like knew that that was a bad idea and had him work somewhere else so they could have a relationship it was so so smart
2: yes
0: well done
2: good job ready forever I good job
0: so that happened and it was great presumably he like works that job i don't know that for sure <laughs> but it seems like you know it's a thing and then the record store opens and it's great and they're all kind of like all of the friend group is assembled at the opening of the store yes. and that's where eddie and rich kiss for the first time yeah and yeah. the whole friends are like finally <gasps> saw that one coming and Eddie's like shut up <laughs> And Rich's like stop it so they're big they kiss and it's really cute and then uh, Richie looks at him and is like, can you stay after? And they have sex. And that's where the smut comes in. There's the smut! It took so long to get to the smut. <laughs> Alan, I'm going to say for once, you are the one who skirted the assignment.
2: Absolutely.
0: I leaned in. Yep. You did not.
2: Are you done with your review? Because I'm going to have a soapbox I want to get on.
0: No, I'm not done. Because okay. we're going to talk about this goddamn fucking smut. Great. Let's talk it about It took that long to get here. Well, we got to talk about it. So, This mod is just them having really soft sex. (laughs) Where Richie's like, is this okay? And Eddie's like, yep, this is great. I'm having a good time. He's like, can I, like, fuck you? And Eddie's like, yep. And (laughs) Richie's like, are you sure? And Eddie's like, yes. And it's very, very consensual. Yep. And very sweet. And very, very very romantic and soft. Doesn't push the boundaries. No. Like, it's very much, like, first time, like, mm-hmm. for a new couple. Getting to know each other. To know each other. Like, feeling each other out, literally. Literally. And they, like, have sex, and basically that's the end of the fic where it's like, we're both lucky to have found each other. That's right. All right, nice. what's your soapbox?
2: All right. Again, this is going to be spoilers for It Chapter 2. If you have not seen it yet and you don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead to the next fic. Aaron, I know you're never going to watch these films, so nope. here I go.
0: You can spoil everything for me. Ah,
2: totally Aaron, it's so good. Oh, is it? Oh, my God. So it, the, the second part deals with the adults coming back to the town to, <laughs> like, fight the clown because the clown has woken up again to start killing people, but they don't remember anything. Their fear has locked away everything from their memories. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike, who's the only one who remained in the town, is like, you guys have to go around looking for your memories to remember everything. And so, uh, Richie goes to this arcade and has a memory, uh, of when he was young and he was playing with this really cute guy and there's like, uh, zooming in on the guy and like, the guy's like, all right, well, cool, it's later. And then Richie's like, "Uh, you know, we can keep playing if you want. Mm-hmm. And it's very much like, oh, is that, oh, is that, like, the beginnings of flirting? And then the resident bully comes in and it turns out that the cute kid was his cousin. Oh. And so the cousin, like, freaks out and was like, what? Like, I'm, why are you acting weird? I'm not your fucking boyfriend or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so it's supposed to be, like, ri- one of Richie's biggest, like, fears. And, like, mm. Pennywise comes out and is like, why don't we play Truth or Dare, Richie? I know you don't want anyone to pick truth. Oh. And you're like, oh, fuck.
0: Yeah.
2: Richie ain't straight. Yep. Then, the, so at, at some point you see Richie as a kid go to like this bridge where people carve the initials and stuff. And so you start, he carves R and then plus, and then it cuts away to something else. So we don't know who the plus is.
1: Oh. Oh my
0: God. Alan has feelings. I did not cause these feelings. This was not my fault. This
2: was at chapter two. Yeah, Um, for
0: once in our goddamn friendship, it's not my fault. (laughs) Honestly.
2: (laughs) Uh, So toward the end, in their fight with Pennywise, Eddie's killed. Oh no! He's killed,
0: Eddie does as an
2: adult. Yeah, that's a bummer. And Richie loses it. <gasps> he is like sobbing over Eddie's body. He's like, "Come on, Eddie, let's go!" Like we're, we're like we we defeated Pennywise, and the whole structure is falling because Pennywise is no longer alive, and there's mm-hmm. no life force keeping the place there. And Beverly, who's Jessica Chastain's character, is like, "He's dead, Richie. We've got to go." Yeah, and like they're dr- they have to drag Richie out of there as he's sobbing, like because he doesn't want to let Eddie like in that place, and it. Fucking breaks your heart. And right. Bill Hader does it so well. Yeah. Like, oh my god.
0: Is there kind of an implication that he was the one that he had feelings for? Well, at the end... But it's all subtext, so well, there's no...
2: Well, at the end, they go back to this, like, watering hole where they all jumped off as those kids, and it's, like, a really beautiful thing, and they're cleaning off all the blood and grime from their battle. And all the other losers, which is what they call themselves, mm-hmm. all the other losers are, like, laughing and, like... Saying, oh, you know, Eddie would have hated this. Like, they we're cleaning ourselves off in dirty water. Mm-hmm. And they're all reminiscing. And they look at Richie, and he's just crying. Like, yeah. sobbing. And they all, like, come around. And, like, they're hugging him and holding him. And it's such a beautiful moment. Yeah. And then uh, there's, like, an epilogue where uh, Stanley kills himself in the fr- in the beginning of the second movie. Because he's too scared to come back. Yeah. So, they're reading his suicide note to the losers and whatnot. And it cuts to Bill Hader, like, scr- re-scratching the R thing on the bridge, and it's he's rescratching R and E. Oh, It's so fucking heartbreaking. And yeah. Then, and the thing is that there is queer subtext in the book. Right. Not just for Richie, but Eddie, too. Yeah. So the whole thing with Eddie is that he is, like, a clean freak in the first movie, uh-huh. and he's, like, very... Not a hypochondriac, but his mom basically gives him Munchausen-type syndrome. Oh, yep. Yeah. And so there's a part in the book where... It appears as a leper, which mm-hmm. is Eddie's biggest fear. And in the book, the leper is like, hey, I'll blow you for a quarter. Ow. So it embodies Eddie's fear of, like, him seeing, like, homosexuality as dirty. And this was written in the 80s, so it makes oh. sense. It's around the AIDS epidemic. And it's, like, really rough. And so that's the thing he most fears. Mm. And he represses that. And in the, as an adult, Eddie ends up with someone who's exactly his mom, essentially. Mm. And it's incredible. They, in the movie, they got the same actress to play his wife who played his mom.
1: Yay. It was so good! That's a Freudian it's shit. It's
2: amazing. And, like, there's so much queer subtext in the book. Bu- so there's, like, uh, the the teasing between Richie and mm-hmm. Eddie is, like, really, like, there's the whole Ed's thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the times when Richie would call him Ed's in the book, Eddie pretended not to like it as much as he did. Right. There's, there, there's like, a scene where Richie's, like, pinches Eddie's cheeks every time. He's, like, cute, 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 cute. Oh,
1: my God.
0: There's so... This is a queer couple. <laughs> Just call it
2: Absolutely. And like there's a whole bit where uh, in the book, Richie's uh, fear is like a werewolf type thing, like a lot of werewolf themes. And it's that whole thing of like not being able to control something like mm-hmm. kind of duality because I think the it's understood that Richie is bisexual and Eddie mm. is a repressed homosexual. Interesting. And so it like ripped my heart out of my yeah. chest. And I am sorry to say that I think I'm about to die <laughs> because I have found my magicians.
1: Fantastic.
2: I I loved this ship. and so I'm
0: okay with reading this ship.
2: I watched It Chapter 2 and then immediately was like, I need to fit it into one of the four fanfics. I just really wanted to talk about this wonderful ship that did not get its due.
0: This was a vehicle yep. for you to talk about It Chapter 2.
2: Uh-huh.
0: You could have picked a smutty or smutfic. <laughs> I, I'm
2: going
0: to throw it out there. I
2: loved this. I thought it was like... I was also nearly, nearing the end of my time. I was like, I have been reading too much. I was like, this you just is gotta pick beautiful.
0: Something. No, I love like, I really liked this fic. Yeah. I'm going to say that. Like, I would not classify this as a smut No,
2: fic. not at all. Like, I picked this fully cognizant of the fact that a it's not... Akes this fic, this is fucking eggs fic, This is not a sweat fic, but I was like, you know what? Erin has screwed me over so many times. I'm going to do one <laughs> on her. I want to talk about this.
1: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Turnabout is fair play. So. Oh, man. Fine.
2: Thank you for coming to my TED Talk
0: you're welcome. I am held hostage by this TED Talk. Indeed. So I liked this a lot. Yay. Just so you know. Thank you. I am totally okay with reading more of this ship in particular. I would not be okay with reading Pennywise anything. (laughs) So just bear that in mind. I thought it was really, really good. Really well written. Really well done. I think it handled very mature themes in a way that resonated as sort of realistic Mm -hmm. and also thoughtful and like Yeah. Frankly, it was great. I would rate it it a solid 4.3. Thank
2: God. Mm -hmm. It was good. I was so nervous. This and the Overwatch one I was so nervous about.
0: I like this one a lot more than the
2: Overwatch one. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But, like, I was so nervous you were going to have a negative reaction. So the Mm -hmm. fact that there wasn't a negative reaction, I'm like, all right, that's a win. Uh, So I I guess this podcast has just become now uh, the magician slash it chapter two fanfic reading.
0: I think we have very similar... Frameworks for hyperfixations in some ways because we both are really focused on unfulfilled queer narratives. Yup in a very real way yep. a feel a way that I think to both of us feels very important and very like personal yep. where you're like I was personally victimized by this and I'm mad about it and god, I have yeah. feelings so I feel like I mean it makes perfect sense to me that the two of us because I have been seeing articles and stuff where I was like I kind of laughed because all the the headlines were like
2: oh Pennywise is not the gay hallowed well
0: yeah it was like it is surprisingly anti-queer and I was like yeah it's it guys. he's a
2: fucking murdering clown of yeah. course he is god People are... Sh- okay, so, again, you're not going to watch the movie, but the movie starts with one of the most horrific scenes I've ever seen in cinema. Yeah. It's a gay bashing scene. It's the murder of Adrian Mellon, which happens in the book, um, and it's this lovely gay couple at a, like, county fair, and then these, like, homophobic pricks see them, follow them out of the fair, and then hold down the boyfriend as they beat the shit out of the other one. Yeah. And then they throw him over, si- over the river. I watched it and I sobbed. Yeah. It is horrific. Yeah. And people were so like, up in arms about it. Like, how Mm -hmm. dare you? Like, and all this stuff. But it's like, it's part of the fucking book. Like, this is not a surprise. People, like, were up in arms because, like, oh, well, Penny was like... People were appropriating Pennywise as, like, a gay icon alongside yeah. the Baba Duke, which was ridiculous because Pennywise right. was never anything other than a fucking murdering clown. Like, it's it's so stupid! I'm so angry!
0: I understand that you are having real feelings right now, but also you just very seriously said a thing that was, like, so outlandish.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
0: what I do think is a valid criticism, and I think it's important that we talk about it, it's yes. both in sci-fi and in horror, queer representation is non-existent. Correct. So... When you're talking about a really brutal murder scene or suicide of a queer character or gay bashing, any of those things, that is the only queer storyline that exists in those genres. right? So it can be incredibly frustrating when you are once again a dead queer for shock and awe, even when it makes sense narratively.
2: I that guess would be so. the argument I make. I, to me, it makes it's necessary for the narrative, right. And I, I don't think that people see that.
0: Right. Well, I think you can hold both things in truth. Right. I think both of those things can exist without necessarily contradicting each other. That's fair. Because I think actually elements of the magician storyline, like earlier, like not quite the Quentin one, but like when Elliot had to kill Mike... That was queer violence. Like that was a queer storyline that ended in death. But it felt like a really important narrative arc for Elliot. It didn't feel forced. Right. But you could make the same argument that it was once again like the one queer character having a death thing. So I think those two things can exist simultaneously Mm -hmm. without necessarily contradicting each other. And you can recognize that, as a whole, a genre falls into certain tropes. Yeah. And still recognize individual narratives as being well done, despite those tropes.
1: Yes. Nice. Yeah.
0: If that makes sense. Well said. Thanks. Cool. I try sometimes. Every now and then. You know we're only halfway through this Oh, a Oh, 100%. Right? <laughs> yes.
2: Let's just breeze through the next one. Yeah,
0: let's just ask. Swoop! Great. So... AUs. Now, A-U. Are you all out of things to feel about it chapter two for now?
2: Oh, for now, yes. For now. Thank you for the addendum. Okay. Great. So our mob AU, the fic you sent me was And Let Your Colors Bleed and Blend with Mine by Elsa Clack on Archive of Our Own. Mm-hmm. It is a
1: Brooklyn 99 fic. I
0: knew you, were gonna, drag N- me.
1: I knew you were gonna drag me. I knew you were gonna drag me. I knew you were gonna drag me. But, but but, but it's good it's the same t- if you sent me the same two fucking fandoms episode 9 I-,
2: I saw it on the dock and i was like she's fucking with me this cannot be real
0: nope it's real be glad the magician's one isn't done yet because there's a work in progress that i almost said dear
1: knew. lord but
0: i was like this is the mob AU that is done that i have in my bookmarks that i think is really well done that i think Alan will like that i have things i can talk about It just so happens to be Peraltiago. (laughs) Go in my mind. (laughs) It is what it is. Deep breaths. I'm going to try to send you other fandoms (laughs) the next time. Like, really hard. But I just... I love you. I can't (laughs) make any promises.
2: Dear Lord.
0: (laughs) Be kind to me.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. So the summary reads, In which Jake and Amy are New York's most wanted, or so he thinks... Amy's actually an undercover cop meant to take him down, except it's a year into the assignment. Her fake feelings for him are a bit too real, and she just can't imagine turning over his big misunderstood soft deep to the feds. It's
0: a fine summary.
2: It tells you what you It you're actually to. tells you more. More what's than you should. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So the fix starts with Amy Santiago and is takes place in January. <laughs> And she is called into Holt's office. Uh, the FBI are looking for someone to infiltrate the McLeans, which is the name of the of the group that Jake infiltrates, right? In mm-hmm. in between seasons. Yep. I'm glad to cut that. To infiltrate the McCains specifically. The, the-
0: McCains. McCains. As in the senator. You oh my- said McCains. Nuh-uh. Yes, you did. Uh the tape. You
2: <laughs> You sent me to Brooklyn and <laughs> one after another. Shut up.
0: <laughs> you still said McCain. Continue.
2: <laughs> to infiltrate the McLeans. Thank you and they think that she's the right person. Of course, Amy Santiago is like, "Absolutely. I will sign
1: me the fuck up." They
2: will infiltrate this mob so quick. Yep. And they show her like a blurry picture of Jake Peralta and she's like, "I can get that asshole." Yeah. And so, uh, they meet at a bodega where Jake Peralta's like talking to the bodega lady yeah. <laughs> next to the magazine rack and Amy's just like scooching closer bit by bit, like, oh, I'm looking for a magazine. So she places herself right behind him so that when Jake finishes his conversation with the bodega woman, Mm -hmm. he turns and steps on her. Yeah. And she's like, oh, ow. And he's like, I'm so sorry, are you okay? And she's like,
0: I'm fine. Yeah. (laughs) Blink, blink, blink. (laughs) Uh,
2: And then he, he straightens and her breath catches. He's ridiculously handsome.
0: Yeah. I was like, Okay. It's, like it's Anne <laughs> Samberg, but sure. Yep.
2: So they're, like, flirting it up, and Jake's like, can I make this up to you? And Amy says, you can, can buy me a magazine. And he's like, I could buy you dinner instead. And she is like, absolutely, that's what we're going with. He's uh,
0: like, success! Yeah, the trade <laughs> numbers,
2: she gives, she gives her undercover name, Amy Flores. Yep. And then they start dating. It's been two months, and mm-hmm. all they do is like go out to dinner and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, she's trying to get closer, but he's very like closed off. Mm-hmm. She says that all they do is they go out to dinner or they watch TV and cuddle in her apartment. Mm-hmm. And while they're doing that, one either making out and they're like cuddling and stuff, someone breaks in, mm-hmm. and Jake immediately gets a pulls out the silver little gun, and he's like, "Listen, motherfucker!" And it turns out to be this guy called the Vulture.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the Vulture the show
2: fuck me dude i just remember who the vulture that? is i just remembered
0: for anyone who doesn't watch the show Holy if you've shit. seen the That's commercials right. where the guy it's like an insurance and like yeah. hi i'm chaos and he's like i'm a raccoon hiding in your house and like <laughs> i'm a i'm a 16 year old that just got my license and like it's that guy yep. that actor plays the vulture who is like a complete douche canoe of a I cop who swoops totally in and forgot. steals their cases from them after they've done all the work and then claims all the credit for it. He's also like a misogynistic prick. I so.
2: forgot. I knew that the vulture was something. Yeah. I was like I just can't remember whom's, And now I do. Fuck. Yeah. Alright. Well, so it's the vulture mm-hmm. and uh, the vulture works for Jake and Jake is like, if I ever see you like come like near her again, I will kill you. And we're like, alright. Uh, my bad. Sorry. And he yeah. walks out. And Amy is like, perfect and she like throws on the like scared act, and it's like you're not telling me something like what do you actually do why do you have a gun (laughs) yeah
1: i have
0: questions (laughs) yeah but i don't really because i'm an undercover cop and i know exactly who you are but i'm acting
2: (laughs) and i mean and she's kind of shook she is a little shook
1: yeah i mean the way that anyone would yeah Yeah. because
2: i mean someone broke into her apartment if she had if jake hadn't been there I mean, I'm sure she could have taken care of herself. but
0: Right, but she might have added herself as an agent.
2: Exactly. So then Jake goes into, he's like, let me, please give me a chance to explain. And she's like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) A hundred percent. Then Jake goes into his life story talking about how his dad was one of the original bosses to the McLeans. Mm -hmm. And then eventually he died in the shootout. And the remaining bosses were trying to groom him to become his dad. And his mom was like, don't do it. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you're right. That is stupid. I won't do it. And then eventually, like, one night he comes across his mom crying over bills in the, on the kitchen table. And he realizes, oh, dad was, like, funding our life anyway. Like, he was funneling money from the McLeans into taking care of us. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want his mom to, like, have to struggle. So he's like, well, in I go. Yep. And by this point, uh, eventually a lot of the, of the McLeans' bosses have died. So it's, mm-hmm. he's the head honcho. And the vulture is one of the ones who was left over from the old regime. Yeah. And Jake explains that he is now he's doing things illegally, but he's doing good things illegally. So he talks about the Pontiac Bandit and how he like has this guy who steals Pontiacs and then they change like the vehicle ID number and give it to charity. And then they have Doug this, Judy. Doug Judy. God, I
0: love Doug Judy. It's,
2: God, I hate him. Like he's, he's so, he's so good. good, but holy shit, I'm always frustrated in those episodes. Oh, anyway,
0: man. I love those episodes.
2: They have this other guy who like cracks into cybersecurity and helps uh, battered women, uh, yeah. women who are escaping like assault, or, like yeah. hom- dom- domestic violence. Uh, like changes yeah. their name, their social security, so that they can start a new life and not be hunted down. And he has like buildings in the city who to house these people. And yep. like he's actually a really good guy. He's Robin Hood essentially. Yeah, and he's like. Fuck me, yeah. dude. She was
0: like, uh, this is not what I signed up for. This is making it a lot harder for me to, like, rat this guy out.
2: Yup, yup. And then she talks about how she doesn't feel safe in her apartment, and Jake's like, well, I can take you to this other apartment. And so she essentially moves in with him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh. Yep. We cut then to a conversation. She's at a cafe with Rosa, and they're talking about the fact that Jake is essentially, like, Robin Hooding everyone.
0: And Rosa kind of, like, Is very receptive. Very open to the idea that he might not be a bad guy. I was
2: very shocked by that.
0: Yeah, that that seemed a little weird to me. Yeah. But, like... Okay.
2: Sure, yeah. You put it in the box on the shelf.
0: Don't worry about
1: it.
2: Yep. Uh, and yeah, Amy's talking about how sweet he is and how nice and like how keeper protects her and all this stuff. And then they, she ends the meeting by saying like, I have to go. I'm meeting, I'm meeting him in the, for a picnic in Central Park in 15 minutes. Yeah. Rose is like, ugh,
0: gross. She's <laughs> like,
2: don't eat any ants. Yeah. And so by this point, Jake will take Amy along for deals like at night, but she mm-hmm. always stays in the car. <laughs> right. And, and she briefs the FBI about it and her FBI agent Who's like, on the case, her name's Larson, is like, hey, any type of trust is trust. This is a good step. And Amy's like, yeah, I guess, but, like, I want to be more. Like, I want to be there so I can hear things. And at one point, she, like, convinces Jake to let her go. And he's like, yeah, alright. And so they start doing deals together. Then, she...
0: She does something actually really Very profoundly stupid,
2: stupid, and so out of character. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, the vulture tells her like, "Oh, hey, there's a shipment of priceless French jewels coming that Jake doesn't know about them yet. Don't you want to impress him with your initiative?" Mm-hmm. And Amy's like, "You're right, I do." And then the vulture swindles her, yeah. steals the jewels, and she's left like this French guy is like has his boot on her head and like a gun pointed at her, and she's about to get got. Yeah. When Jake comes in speaking beautiful French. <laughs> yeah. You're like, wee, wee. <laughs> oh, oh, we we <laughs> uh and he explains the entire thing and Amy's like, I'm sorry, it was the vulture and Jake is like, God damn it, super angry. And then uh, so he's like talking about how he couldn't get a hold of her and he was panicking and he was like he had this feeling and he he almost didn't make it in time. It was like beautiful moment, and mm-hmm. all will fix it like dangerous fix you're like I, I almost wasn't on time and yeah. you're like oh, mistakes it's <sighs> <That's laughs>
0: also when he says i love you for yep, the first time
2: yep he's like i love you and amy's like oh, i love you too and it's like god damn it and Amy!" she means it yep she means <sighs> it
1: So good.
0: Two
2: months later, Jake is out of the country. He's in France for business. So Amy has a meeting with Larson from the FBI and saying like, oh, he's in France trying to smooth things over. So it's been a little rocky. It is now November. So it's been, she's been at it for 11 months, nearly a year. And Larson tells her, well, uh, you've been deep undercover for a year. We have made no major arrest. We're going to pull you out. Yeah. And have someone with fresh eyes get a new perspective. Thank you for your service. And Amy's like, whoa, 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 whoa what? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that it's because she loves him, but yeah. also, like, how dare you take my job?
0: There's, like, equal parts wanting to protect Jake now because her yep. feelings are genuine. Exactly. And also, like, no, 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 no. Like, it all starts to unravel in front of her. Exactly. So she's, like, very freaked out by that.
2: Yep. So the, the officer tells her, you've got five hours to gather your things, and then you'll report to FBI headquarters by five o'clock. And Amy's like, woof. And, yep, exactly like that. Woof. And so she goes to their apartment and calls Jake and has a very difficult phone conversation where she's like, you remember that one time you asked me to, like, listen to everything you have to say before I talked? I need you to do that now. And she tells them the whole story. Like, I was FBI, but...
0: Yeah, I was sent in specifically to spy on you. Yep. And try to take you down. I knew exactly who you were when you stepped on me in the bodega. I yeah. orchestrated that. And, like, Jake is like, was any of this real? And she was like, Yes!
2: She was like, uh, it started off as a diversion and invasion tactic, but the more I got to know you, the more I understood your reasons for doing everything you do. It got real.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: real it got. Yep. And so she's warning him, and she's like... Look, there's no other reason I have nothing else to say to you to make it better. But you need to know that they're pulling me off the case. They're sending someone else. Like, they don't care about your intentions. So you need to get out. They know you're in France. I told them you need to run. Mm -hmm. Don't come here. Go somewhere else. Like, somewhere you never told me about it. I know you have those places. Just run. And he's like, why are you doing this? And she's like, I'm trying to save you from going to prison for the rest of your life. And he's like, this is treason. You're committing treason. And she's like, I don't care. My career's over anyway. You're all I care about right now. Just go. Uh, And then they hear a window shatter in the apartment and the vulture comes out with a gun, shoots her in the left arm and then crushes the cell phone all while Jake is like, Amy, Amy, Amy.
1: Yep.
2: (sighs) So dramatic. I love it. And then he like kicks her in the head to knock her out. Next time she wakes up, she's in some like warehouse uh, on a dingy mattress, uh, spread eagle tied up and in comes the vulture and what remains of the old regime of boss heads and Doug Judy (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, somehow has gotten clearance to be there. (laughs) And the Vulture's like, I heard that this, you know, she's a mole, so we're going to deal with moles how we always deal with moles. And Doug Judy's like, doesn't Jake make that decision? Like, we need to wait for Jake. And Vulture's like, no, this is how we've always dealt with moles. Uh, Or, like, this is how we've dealt with moles in the past. And Doug Judy's like... Right, but it's not the past. We really should wait for Jake. Yeah. And then they beat Doug Judy up.
0: Right. And he's like, Amy, but you haven't ratted us out, right? And she's like, no, I haven't. And then he's like, see, we got to wait for Jake. (laughs) And the vulture's like, beat him up.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And then the vulture starts, he's going to cut off her arm. Mm -hmm. Like he starts going and then he gets shot. And Jake's like, I fucking told you.
0: Yeah, and Jake comes in in a blaze of glory yep. to save Amy.
2: Yep, and it's Ugh. wonderful, and then... So good. Like, Amy's been bleeding out from her head, and, like, the gunshot yeah. wound, and now she's and cut now pretty this, like, deep.
0: deep cut on her yeah. arm. Yeah, and
2: then it's that beautiful moment where, like, no, don't leave me, please don't do yeah. this, and then she blacks out, and you're like, ah! And
0: as she's blacking out, she hears the FBI coming in. <gasps> That's
2: right. Yeah, oh, and, and so she knows,
0: like, point. she knows that Jake is in trouble, but she can't keep her eyes open. Jake gets, like, ripped away from her. And like, no. that's the moment that he gets captured.
2: Yep. So she wakes a up
0: at once. <laughs>
2: yep. She wakes up to a bright morning in January. She's been asleep for a week in a hospital. Mm-hmm. So Rose is there to like brief her that Jake is in maximum security prison and mm-hmm. like all that happened. And Amy's like, I have to find somewhere to like save him because like it, it's not fair. It's not right. <laughs> And Rosa is like, I had a feeling you'd say that. That's why I called someone for you. And <laughs> she calls Sofia Perez, which Rosa hates with yeah. a passion. And it's incredible. Because
0: like, she's like a super good defense attorney uh-huh. who always gets her clients out of yep. whatever charges it is. So they're like, okay, we, ha- like, we know she'll do it.
2: Yep. And consorting
0: s- with the enemy. <laughs>
2: exactly. So Amy cooperates to the full with Sofia Perez. And at the end, they get him out. It's mm-hmm. two weeks later and he's an innocent man and, like, walking the streets now. I'm like, mm, okay. I do yeah. like to know the legal proceedings of this, but sure. Put
0: uh, it in the box on the shelf. Yeah,
2: so Amy's <laughs> at, at the bodega uh, when she gets the phone call from Sophia telling her, like, hey, he's not guilty. They found him not guilty in all accounts. Mm-hmm. So he's a free man. And Amy's like, thank you so much. Please, like, send me a bill and I'll start making payments or something. And she's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. This was totally pro bono. And she's like, what? No, you're kidding. <laughs> And Sophia's like, you don't have any idea what this is going to do for my career. I've already gotten a dozen messages back at the office. Yeah. And so she's at the bodega and she's like feeling all empty and stuff because she doesn't know where Jake is. He's been out for 15 minutes and hasn't called her. How dare he, despite the fact that he probably doesn't have a phone. But anyway. And then she bumps into someone next to the magazine rack and it's Jake. And he's like, I came to thank you about everything. Like, I know you've got Sophia Perez. He's like, I, I, I'd like to repay you for, for some, like, if you'll let me. And she's like, You could buy me a magazine. He's like, Or I could buy you dinner. And she's like, I could be persuaded to go to dinner. And they live happily ever after, presumably.
1: Yay! It is
2: unclear whether Amy Santiago will still be a cop and oh. whether Jake Peralta will still be a mobster. But. You know, that's a question for another story. I'm guessing you don't
0: go back to the FBI after that.
2: Oh, that's a good question. How
0: Amy got away with what she did, I have questions about.
2: So, kind of, that is my, like, my only gripe with the story. Well, maybe not only gripe, but one of my biggest gripe with the story is Everyone seems really out of character. Like, there's no way in hell that Amy Santiago will ever commit treason.
0: Right. <laughs> Even, like,
2: towards Jake Peralta. I know. She might hesitate a little.
0: Right. But She'd like, be real sad about it, but she was like, I guess I'll come visit you.
2: Exactly. There's yeah. no way. Well, I'm with you. Yeah. And, like, Rosa was too accepting of that. Yeah. I was like, there's no way that Rosa wouldn't have been like, you're an idiot. Stop. Yeah. Don't sleep with him. And Jake was too suave.
0: Yeah. I decided that it was an AU and I didn't care.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got that <laughs> feeling. <laughs>
0: Because I was like, I'm so into this AU. Yeah. And it's fine. And I do think there is validity in having out-of-character stories where you just, like, push the envelope of it and you take it. But I also recognize that, like, when you take a character so far out of the bounds of what canon is, that it's, like, it can be a little off-putting. Well,
2: then it just becomes, like, a template. Like, it, and you can plug anyone else into it. You can plug Qualia. You can plug Reddy. You can plug Draco and Harry. Like, you can kind of plug anyone into it. Which is fine.
0: I'm here for a good time, and not a long
1: time.
2: So defensive. And I fucking love this book.
0: I can accept zero criticisms of this book. No, it's fine. You can.
2: It's very good. I liked it. I would probably read this again. Not necessarily because it's like, uh, oh, when I think AU, this is the one I'll go to, but there's something about it that makes me feel like, I don't know what it is. Something about it that makes me want to read it again. Cool. Great. What would you rate it? I would give it a 3.3.
0: Okay. I I assumed you were going to do somewhere in the 3.5 realm, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yay! Yay! What a good time. Yep. All right. The mob AU You Sent Me is a return to form. It's a return to a fandom we haven't seen in a long time. It's been a second. For Mr. Allen.
2: It it has been a a nary a second.
0: It is an X-Men fanfic.
2: We we love it.
0: Starring Eric Lensher. Yep. And James McAvoy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Character name, after person.
0: Yep. Canonically, James McAvoy. It is called The Replacement Telepath by Why Mr. Spook. (laughs) We are on a roll with these fucking names today. These
2: author names were killing it.
0: I'm sorry. We peaked at Butt Casino then. Which might have been last episode. We shot our our
2: low too early.
0: We did. We went too hard too fast. (laughs) Yep. And we never quite reached the same level of success. (laughs) But I'm here having a good time. So it's all good. That's all that matters. The summary of this fic. Is, I'd like to employ you, Professor Xavier. I appreciate you have a busy schedule, and I would, of course, compensate you for your time and effort. Charles knew he should say no outright and walk away. He was sitting opposite a beautiful but deadly man who could ruin his reputation or get him killed. But Eric liked him, and he could sense it, and he was nursing a whiskey and looking at him like he was a prize. In spite of himself, he found that he wanted to be won over. Which is an excerpt summary. I feel at this point we all know how we feel about excerpt (laughs) summaries, so I don't have to reiterate myself. It's true. It's not a terrible excerpt to choose. True. It does set up pretty well. The premise is that it is an AU, but they still have powers. Yes. So, you know, Charles Xavier is still a telepath. Mutants are still a thing. Yeah, mutants are still a thing. Um, Eric Lensherr still has the, like, metal Mm -hmm. mutation thing where he, like, speaks to metal or something. I don't know what he does. I have questions. And Eric is in charge of the mafia. Charles is a professor. Yes. That's quite literally a tag. It says Charles is a professor. <laughs> and it's true. He is a professor. True. Studying genetics, specifically as it pertains to mutations.
2: But you you skip my favorite tag. Charles Xavier has a PhD in adorable. <laughs>
0: that is a tag that happened. <laughs> Woo! Also, BAMF Charles.
2: Bamp Charles.
0: So, for all 14 chapters of this fic... Yes. There's actually not a whole lot of plot that happens collectively in it. Like, basically... It starts out with Charles working as a professor. He lives a very sort of quiet, mundane life. He works all the time with Mm. his assistant, Hank. He, like, never goes... Oh, Hank is a person. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming everybody is a person in this. I don't actually know anything about X-Men.
1: That's okay.
0: Which I still don't, despite all of the times that we've talked about this. I get that. It's fine. So uh, they sort of work together, and he's grading papers, and it's very monotonous and, like, wrote. And he is approached by Eric Lencher in sort of a quiet moment um, on his way home and offered, not coerced, offered sort of a side gig being his, like, resident telepath. It turns out that Eric had previously had a telepath on his team, Emma Frost, Frost, and she had betrayed him. And Eric is concerned because she had basically built his mental, like, walls and wards, which is the magician's word for it, but whatever, to protect his thoughts and memories and plans and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he knows that she knows too much, and he needs somebody who is really strong and a really good telepath who knows what he's doing to help him, like, fix his brain protection. And just be on his team. Charles is very hesitant at first, but gets a lot of sort of conflicting info from Eric's brain of like, he's actually like a good person, but he's a mafia boss, but I'm intrigued and Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with this. So he sort of he lays some ground rules, but he says yes. So he's like, I will do this. You are going to stay away from my sister, Raven. You are not to go near her. You are not to come on campus. I will not have any students accidentally getting involved in this. Mm -hmm. If I decide that I want out, I'm out. And you don't ever, like, speak to me again. And you don't ask any questions. You let me go. And Eric's like, all right, cool. And basically says yes. Yeah. Which is, like, actually a very (laughs) gentle mafia (laughs) deal. And they sort of establish those rules. So he and Eric get together and for their first couple, he's like, okay, Eric basically says, I'll have a car come pick you up and bring you to where you need to be. Just be ready when I text you from a burner phone. And Charles is like, all right. So he sort of hesitantly is like, what have I done? And then um, he gets his first text and he shows up and Eric asks him, explains the whole thing about his mental like walls and stuff. And is like, I need you to help me fix this. Mm -hmm. And they start to get to know each other and they work together. And it's a very intimate process because Mm -hmm. Charles ends up... Seeing all of the memories that Eric is hiding behind those walls in his brain, and they get to know each other really quickly, and Charles very quickly is like, "Oh, I'm attracted to you."
2: 100 percent! How I could you not, super... Michael Fassbender? Are you
0: kidding me? Not my type.
2: Oh, sorry, it's no. like a jump, a hop, a skip, and a jump away from James McAvoy.
0: No, this is like a few inches that, taller. There's something about him. <sighs> I don't know.
2: I can't talk no. to. you.
0: Not my thing. You can have him. Less competition. Want both. You can't have both.
2: All right, you can have James McAvoy, but I'll have Hale
0: Apple. Great. No. <laughs> you said great. No. <laughs> it's on the record.
2: It's, on, on, record. it's, it's on the record. No, I want Hale Apple. Hale Apple. No, no, you're no, coming no, home no, with me. No. No. No.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was tricked. I was swindled. <laughs> bamboozled. I'm
2: so glad that lives in, the, like, that lives in the record. No.
0: <laughs> and I have to leave this in too. Yup. Because it's too funny. <laughs> I'll have come back to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> <You're sad. laughs> Um. Anyway, <laughs> um. Where was I before I freaked out? Uh, they get to know each other and they fall in love with each other and it's a whole thing. Yes. So Charles real like learns a lot about Eric's sort of friend group. He meets Alex, who is sort of the youngest in the group. Alex and he's their, Summers, yeah, yeah, their driver Janos. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I think so. And Az- Azazel.
2: Azazel,
0: yeah. Azazel. Scott Summers, who's Alex's younger Brother. Um Cyclops. Sure. Angel is somebody in this, Angel Salvador. Yep. Meets everybody, starts to get kind of integrated into the group. And at one point or another during they're like they have these sessions where they're working <laughs> through his walls and all this kind of stuff. Eventually. Their first kiss happens when they're so they're they go to this restaurant oh, to like work right. because he has lent his room to everything. one of the guys in his that's mob fair. who's like injured basically and he's like well we can't work in my room like i normally would and they oh because of...
2: angel's in his bed that's what he yeah. said and charles is like wow okay
0: yeah but it's actually because she's hurt mm-hmm. so they're at this restaurant and then they finish the work that they're going to do like they've reached a point where they're actually kind of like done with this yeah. like rebuilding of the walls and charles kisses eric like really aggressively at this restaurant and eric is like the one time we're not in my bedroom with easy access to a bed is when you kiss me like so the good. fuck, dude! Like I'm Love super it. into this, but like, come on. So that's how they get together, and that's how they start tentatively dating.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So from there, sure. they start dating, and their relationship is really sweet.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: the thing that's interesting because you've talked about like Mabe use like tripping your like protective, like possessive. Wife. Yeah, I didn't get any of the same kind of feelings that like the uh mm-hmm. I get of possessive fic like yes Eric is very caring of Charles but he never oversteps really what he wants I and, searched. Like, <laughs> he, I know oh you did this intentionally well done <laughs> um so he cares for him and like the rules of their sort of arrangement start to shift mm-hmm. as they continue to get to know each other better. Eric learns a lot about Charles's background and come to find out that like he and his sister had grown up in an abusive household Charles taking the brunt of that abuse like his dad dies his mom remarries some asshole, mm-hmm. and then the asshole like and also has like a, a son or a cousin or something like that, yeah, and they right. gang up on him and like beat him up. So he just kind of like lets that happen. So that way Raven doesn't get involved in that until there comes a point where he like can't take it anymore, and he like telepathically killed.
2: Well, because he said that they were gonna like the the son
0: was gonna go after Raven. was gonna go
2: after Raven, and he's like, nope.
0: And literally just, like, went in, he says he, something along the lines of, like, I went into his mind and I turned him off like a light yeah. switch. And that is, like, a very revealing moment for Charles where he doesn't talk to people about that. So he's, like, not quite so, you know, goody two-shoes now, right. huh? And, like, this is the first time that Eric's seeing that side of it. And their relationship just, like, deepens and deepens and deepens. As that's happening, it becomes clear that Sebastian Shaw is after Eric and mm-hmm. his group. And they're trying to get at him through Charles by, like, threatening Charles and threatening to go after his family and sending increasingly sort of, like, menacing threats against Mm -hmm. Charles and stuff. And Eric is doing everything in his power to protect Charles and Raven.
2: And Sebastian Shaw has Emma Frost.
0: Yes. So, like,
2: they're always two steps ahead of Eric.
0: Yeah, and Emma knows... Basically, everything there is to know about Eric's group and uses mm-hmm. it to her advantage. And she has no qualms being really terrible and like being really manipulative. I mean, she's not as disciplined a telepath as Charles is, but she is also more dangerous because she's more willing to use it for torture and like evil. And Charles tries to be more pacifistic. And uh, so eventually it all kind of comes to a head in this moment where Charles and Alex and Scott go out Christmas shopping because he's decided basically, I'm not going to be held hostage in my house because Sebastian Charles an asshole. Mm-hmm. I, we're going to go out. And it turns out it was, like, an ambush the whole time. And Emma Emma Frost has been... I almost said Emma Stone. Um, (laughs)
2: Surprise! (laughs) She's in this one, too.
0: Emma Frost is actually controlling every person in the store. Mm -hmm. And everybody there, like, works for Sebastian Shaw. And they, like, capture the three of them and put them in, like, a back room. And they're like, Mm -hmm. and now you're bait to kill Eric. And so they're like, oh, shit. And that, uh, as the stress of that experience triggers Scott's mutation for the first time, which is very stressful for all involved. Because they're like, close your eyes before you kill everyone! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God! Um, Alex has been working with Hank to try to harness his powers. And, like, so Alex tries to, like, get them out of the situation. Like, he doesn't really know what to do. Eric shows up with, like, all of his lackeys and people. And they, like, have a showdown in this store. Alex throws, like, a laser beam out of his chest or whatever at Sebastian Shaw. It gets redirected at Damien, who's a guy in this. Yeah, Darwin. Accident- Darwin accidentally kills one of their own, has, like, a little meltdown. But ultimately, they get Sebastian Shaw on the ropes. Charles gets inside of his head and, like, pins him in place. Yeah. They kill... So Emma Stone is killed. <laughs> Emma
1: who? <laughs> <laughs> Emma, no! no!
0: Emma Stone is dead! Bong <laughs> <laughs> with Emma Frost. Emma Frost is killed yeah. in this sort of battle. They get Sebastian Shaw on the ropes. Charles gets into his head, and he throws an instruction telepathically to Eric, and he's like, do it, shoot him. While I have him frozen, you have to kill him. And Eric's like, I'm not going to shoot him in the head while you're in his head. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a bad fucking idea. <laughs> and he's not wrong. No, not at all. And he's like, I don't know what's going to happen to you if I do this. And Charles is like, it will hurt, but I will be fine. Do it. You have to do this to protect Charles everybody so eric pulls the trigger and he shoots him in the head thereby uh, allowing charles to experience what it's like to be shot in the head yep. which is not pleasant so he sort of like feels the like agony of being shot in the head sebastian shaw is dead hooray um like mm-hmm. charles is like oh god so much pain and they're like <laughs> <laughs> those 30 seconds are the best thing in the world <laughs> oh god such pain and um And then he's like, I'm going to pass out now. So he just, like, kind of hits the floor (laughs) and is done. And then he wakes back up. He he survives. Nothing happens to him. Mm -hmm. Like, he's in a lot of pain, but it's no permanent lasting damage. Alex feels really guilty for having thrown the energy blast that killed the friend. So they have Mm -hmm. to, like, have a memorial service for him or whatever. But really, it resolves in that, like, you know, Eric's like, well, the police aren't going to really come after me because we got rid of Sebastian Shaw for them. And Mm -hmm. I've bought off half of the force anyway. So this is, like, the best case scenario. Yeah. We now own most of this city. I'm a monopoly owner. Yep. This is great. What a life. <laughs> um, Charles has decides to, like, quit his job as a professor and just work full-time with Eric by his side as, like, yeah. sort of like an at-hire, like, <laughs> telepath. He's like, I'm gonna do whatever I want to do. Well, and it's also
2: a thing of, like, uh, he realizes how much he likes helping mutants harness yeah. their power and train, like, when he was helping Alex kind of focus in on and- with Hank and all of that, so that's what he's chosen to now do. That's how he wants to contribute.
0: Yep. And Eric is like, we can make that happen. And then they just kind of live happily ever after. It
2: ends on Christmas. On Christmas. On Christmas. They, are,
0: they have a Christmas, and it's a very cute Christmas. Yeah. And they love each other, and they're very happy. The end. And that's the story. So it's like... That
2: was was very succinct.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to be less wordy with my summaries. What I think is interesting about this AU is that it is well-written and it is enjoyable, but not a lot actually happens. So again, not dissimilar to previous AU. I feel like this could have been condensed Mm -hmm. and I would have gotten the same sort of punch out of it. I think there is a lot of just sort of like them getting to know each other, which is great in some ways and then a little repetitive at points. Yeah. I think the characterization's really great. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun to read. It read pretty quick for me. I got it yeah. done pretty quick, but enjoyed it and had a good time. Oh, so good. I liked it. Thank God. Again, it was softer than I thought
2: Aaron. you were going to go <laughs> no, with no, let's go down my rabbit hole. Like, hold, I... Oh, wait. What's your rating on that?
0: Uh, like a 4.2. Wow. Yeah, it's
2: Holy
0: good. Holy shit. That might be generous. But I
2: settled <laughs> on this <laughs> pick. I've,
0: I've eaten, so... Holy
2: shit, I... <laughs>
0: At least... 0.7% of those points is because of food that I've eaten
1: recently. Um,
2: so I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Um, I, I also agree. I think that it just it kind of rambles on. It doesn't really ever... Like, the pacing is interesting, and it never fully hits its
1: stride. It is,
0: once again, kind of a stakes issue, Yeah, where the stakes are high, but because it takes so long to get through it, you yeah. kind of lose the momentum. like Yeah, you lose the momentum, you lose Steam. You lose the imperative oh. to solve the problem. <laughs> not
2: at all not at all the word I was thinking.
0: What word were you thinking? I said I said
1: both <laughs> the momentum and steam <laughs> no. and they were neither.
0: You lose the sort of like impetus to get through it. Nice. And you know, it's yeah. fine. I would read an entire fic of Hank and Alex getting together,
2: though. That is so cute. That's my favorite subplot.
0: They were adorable. Is they sort of fall in love over the course of uh, Hank trying to help Alex have some kind of device to help harness his power. Yeah. And they clearly are into each other and, like, get together. And I'm like, I would read this entire, like, AU where they just same. get together and have, like, a really precious romance. I love That's it. That's what I want.
2: Yeah, same. I'm glad you liked it.
0: Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. That's our four uh, for today. Yeah,
2: another another successful episode.
0: Yep. I hate outros. Outros are stupid.
2: <laughs> well, we need them, so. We do. We done. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. Aren't
2: we? Oh, I mean, yeah, but, like, that's not how we're ending the episode.
0: <laughs> we can't just be like, all oh, right bye. we done, bye. Yeah. Alright, everybody. <sighs>
2: yeah, thanks for listening to another episode.
0: <sighs> we have a Twitter. We <laughs> have a Tumblr.
2: <laughs> and Aaron loves using both of them.
0: I like talking to people on Twitter because it's fun. Yeah. Even though the tone of my voice does not betray correct you know any sort of confidence that this is not a lie I do genuinely enjoy talking to people on Twitter so please add us on Twitter yeah um, also
2: if you want to read if you want us to read anything that is not the magician slash x-men like please recommend other fandoms recommend your yep. favorite fix we would send love us nothing stuff more
0: you have written yes send us stuff that your friends are writing yeah like we're here for it
2: we would love nothing more yep um, please rate us, review us on iTunes, just so that other people can find the podcast. Tell your yeah. friend.
0: Find all of your nerd friends and be like, let us be nerdy together.
2: Have a, have a listening party. Have a
0: listening party. Yeah. Maybe not the smut episode. <laughs> oh,
2: <so>. well, how smutty <laughs> was it really? We failed that time.
0: I sent you great It smut. was porn
2: with feelings. That was not smut.
0: It was smut. That was not smut. I will not take this from someone who sent me the tiniest bit of smut. <laughs>
2: I, I am caught co- The difference here is that I am copied to the fact that I did not send you smut. You were like, I sent you smut. It was
0: vignette after vignette of porn.
2: With <laughs> feelings. Just
0: because it has feeling doesn't that mean it's not, not smut. porn. Smut
2: is like pure sex from beginning to end. It can have a little story, but it's mostly about the sex.
0: You're just mad that I didn't send you the one that was all bondage.
2: Ah, uh, listen.
0: <laughs>
2: you were not incorrect, but right. my point stands.
0: Fine. Well,
2: this is what the second challenge. I think we we both missed a mark on.
0: I didn't miss any fucking mark. But sure, <laughs> You're such a liar.
1: I you didn't. are such a liar.
0: I. Okay. <laughs> listeners, read, read that portrait of Emmy Fick and then come back at me and tell me if you would consider that a smut fic because it is 100% smutty. It is definitely. I mean, it is, it
2: is smutty. It is not a smut fic. It is smutty smut. No, no. no it is not a smutty smut. <laughs> it is. It is smutty.
0: Listeners, I need you to be on my side. Nope. I'm going to start a Twitter poll. <laughs> Stop.
2: <laughs> I also have access to this Twitter though, so you can't. I'm going to change
0: up. the password. <laughs> I will change it back. No, you won't. Yes, I will. No, you won't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and with that childhood, with that childhood tran- tantrum, I think we're gonna sign I think
0: we gotta go. Bye, friends. <laughs> so, bye.
1: Bye. Hey, Pepera. <laughs> <laughs>